Welcome, everyone, to Mystery, a podcast about myths and history. I am one of your hosts, Bryant, with my permanent guest, Cami Brady Bunch. Here's a Cami. She's a permanent guest. No, I, I can't sing any more of that. We're going to get hey, Brian. Uh, <laughs> and then next to me is Peter. So, Peter, hello. Welcome back. This is Impoticus Magnus. Yar. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. <laughs> Peter, welcome back. It's so nice to have you. It's always a pleasure. <sighs> Guys, this is... Uh, it's been, you know, it's, it's busy. It's I'll break the fourth wall. It's November. Um, it's, it's going to be really busy real soon. So if you're, if you're just joining us, welcome. It's, it's, you came at a great time. You know, mystery is a show where we like to take myths, stories, legend, history, tales, all that great stuff. Then Cammy and I will give you that story and then we'll kind of talk about some of the facts and history behind it. And then once in a blue moon, our good friend Peter will come join us. And then we'll do the same thing, but it's just longer and we're probably drinking. So yeah. when the tides are favorable, I come for a visit. Exactly. Yeah. He just washes up on shore with a, a tablet. Um, <laughs> so when I say we're going to be busy, we have some big events coming up. Uh, you're going to be hearing this on Friday soon for me. But this it's Friday now and next Thursday, December 3rd at 830 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's South Carolina time where we're all from. We're going to be on Indie Pods United. Uh, nice big convention that's going on. Really looking forward to it. Cammy and I will be there talking about stuff that's myth and history related all at the same time. And then right after that, that Sunday, December 6th. At 9 a.m. EST, same time, our time, Peter and I will be there for some holiday fun pod uh, VCOM shenanigans. That's what we did back in August where we, we showed off a pre-recorded episode, which which did really well. And, you know, we just weren't prepared to do a live show, but we're totally we're, – it's all live. It's going to be really fun. Yep. We're super excited. So uh, if you're an old listener, check them out. You can check them out live, but they'll also – we're going to – hopefully we should be able to put them on, you know, all the – channels as normal all the avenues podcasting youtubing and all that but you can join in there live as well and we'll have more information on our facebook group page okay so and that's all in the future this is the present <laughs> and we're going to talk about the past and we, we cammy and i were pretty happy recently we returned to the greek the og greek stuff greco-roman simple mystery stuff and we're going to continue that trend we're, we're banging them out a lot this this month and next week and this is a really interesting subject too we're talking about the uh ancient city of atlantis which is, is it's it's really this is just going to be fun this is a really fun episode because there's such a big thing about atlantis already you know you got aquaman's doing all that stuff in there and there's there's such a, a modern interpretation of it, and there's there's a good reason for that. And so Cammy and Peter are going to regale everyone uh, with a story about Atlantis, and then we're just going to dip, dive, and dodge right into a discussion about it. So Cammy, I believe you are up. Please tell us everything there is to know about Atlantis right now. Okay, except for the stuff Peter's talking about. Yeah, yeah. everything except everything for that. that. 
97%. Right up until that, I think. So yeah, I used ascendingpassage.com, Plato's Atlantis. Many years before Plato's birth, 9,000 at least, we know of a mighty island nation born from Poseidon's loins. He made the island a paradise with two springs running from the center, one of crisp cold water, one of comforting warmth. Every variety of crop grew there, some preferring the warmth, others preferring the cold that sprang forth from the earth. His five sons ruled the island's communities, and the largest of them he gave to Atlantis, his favorite child. I'm sorry. And the largest of them he gave to Atlas, his favorite child. He gave the place the language and culture of the Greeks. The island boasted more than just two springs. They had every metal known to man, and the trees were plentiful, so that they may make houses and buildings to host and entertain all of the civilization which Atlas ruled. Atlas's offspring fashioned a brilliant harbor so that they may rule the sea and the lands beyond them, and they constructed a temple to their patriarch Poseidon. But the more they expanded, the more they found themselves in need of protection, and guard houses were erected at close intervals lining the city walls. And as they grew and had the need of many leaders to rule over the populace, the rulers began to worship power and influence. Anyone who disagreed with them would find themselves jailed or executed with no trial. Still, they expanded. They used their knowledge of metalworking to fashion great weapons of war and took anyone left from the carnage back to their island to keep as slaves. But the sickness of Atlanteans would not go unpunished, for the virtuous Athenians would wage a defense against their attackers. The war lasted for many days, but virtue always prevails. Though outnumbered and outarmed, virtue brings the gods to one side like no other. Athena, along with her all-powerful father, saw an opportunity to rid the wickedness of rulers from the earth, and the tides of war changed. Their mighty spears would fall short of the targets, and the blows of their close combat weapons would never strike true. Blades cracked before the blow could land, and Zeus himself, weary of the struggle, called a council of the gods. He made a plan to drown the city with waves as high as houses, and fire from his lightning bolts, and hot lava from the nearby mountains, until the city was nothing more than a faint suggestion in the imagination of men who would never see it. That's just, that's just rude. That was awesome. <laughs> God. So the Athenians, go figure. Who do you think wrote that story? Oh, but the Athenians. <laughs> they were just mm. sitting there with, with our wooden sticks. We weren't even advanced. The Atlanteans came over <laughs> and were so mean. And just to kind of date this, this, um, this story was told to, oh, no, <laughs> Solon. Um, mm -hmm. for, by the by the Egyptians, according to the the dialogue. So according to the Egyptians, like the Athenians couldn't even remember this history. It was that far that far back. Oh yeah. But the the Egyptians, you know, believing themselves to be this superior ancient race, had all these records, and that's where the story supposedly and, comes from. And then classical Athens was like, oh yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, yeah totally. Right. <laughs> we definitely did that. We were there. We're here now. Take that, Sparta. And we were the good guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Cammy, that was excellent. A great primer into everything. Peter, please continue the regaling. I will. And I want to preface this. So where where Cammy left off, that's kind of like where the 
platonic dialogue or Socratic dialogue ends. Like this is a fragment that we, that has survived. So we don't know exactly what happened to Atlantis. So I'm taking some liberties in my story. Um, but I think that's also why this Atlantis story persists is because it's really amazing and fanciful, but not super detailed. So it allows the teller to really kind of over the centuries, add their own embellishments just as I'm about to do right now. So here we go. So my source, I use the original um, dialogue of Plato, um, Timaeus and Critias. Um, so my descriptions of Atlantis are based on uh, the descriptions in those dialogues, but the ultimate fate of the continent is completely my own invention. So here we go. It seemed as if the gods had cursed our fair island. Ever since our navy limped back into port, a cloud of misfortune had hung over our lands like a funeral shroud. Those proud Athenians drove us back across the great eastern sea. The gods' favor, once celebrated in the temples of Atlantis, had slipped from our shoulders and had been taken up by the strong shield-bearers of Athens. We had witnessed a night blazing bright as day, then followed by a dawn as cold and dark as midnight. During the night, the clouds crackled with thunderbolts, and balls of fire rained down upon our, on, excuse me, upon our hills and rooftops. The air was choked with smoke. The dark plumes that billowed from the burning forests mingled with the smoke of burning sacrifices. The bulls that once roamed freely about the temple of Poseidon had all been slaughtered and burned upon the altar to honor our founding God. A desperate crowd gathered around the temple, pleading and wailing. The temple, typically radiant with its roof of silver and pillars of ivory, stood dull and silent in this darkened dawn. When great Lord Poseidon fashioned the island of Atlantis many generations ago, he built for us a paradise of security and luxury. Upon the great central plain of our island stood a promontory mountain where he caused two great springs to well up, one of hot water, one of cold. Upon this mountain, we built our temples and radiant, radiant city of Orichalcum. Around the plain, Lord Poseidon dug three circular rings and caused the sea to well up within them. Thus, our people would be forever protected from invaders and given easy passage around the island on elaborate barges. Each ring was separated by a high wall that was covered in different colors of metal, one of brass, one of tin, and one of the precious metal orichalcum. The cities built in each ring were constructed of the same materials as their protective wall, with the opulent city of the inner ring built of the radiant red metal orichalcum. Later generations built a series of bridges and canals that radiated from the central city like the spokes of a wheel. A great central harbor welled up within the central ring, and this became a center of commerce, art, and culture. Elephants roamed wild, and cunning hunters tamed the beasts and trained them to tow our barges and carry goods to the outer rings. But now all was falling to ruin. After a night of raining fire, the dawn finally broke on the eastern horizon. 
As the sun rose up above the great eastern sea, framed by the pillars of Heracles, the bombardment of fire seemed to slow and finally stopped. Neighbors turned to one another, sighing with relief and praising the merciful gods. But suddenly, the dim light of dawn flared to an almost blinding light, a great ball of fire, many times larger than the projectiles that fell onto our towns and fields, streaked across the sky, directly over our precious island. It blazed across the eastern sky, leaving a trail of black smoke behind it. It seemed to be aimed at the rising disk of Helios itself. It disappeared over the horizon, but no sooner was it gone from sight than there was a blinding eruption of light. The ground shook and onlookers were knocked off their feet from the shockwave that followed. The rising sun disappeared as if a great wall had suddenly been built up in front of it. The people of Atlantis crowded about the docks of the harbor, hoping to flee the island by boat. But our great fleet, all 12,000 ships, lay mired in mud. It was as if the ocean had been sucked away by a freakish tide. From the outer rings, you could see miles of exposed ocean bed and schools of stranded fish gasping for breath. Looking to the east, the horizon swelled and appeared to be racing towards our island home. Many Atlanteans realized too late that a mountainous wave was about to crest over our heads. From my spot upon the highest hill on the Great Plain, I saw the stout walls of the outer ring wash away as if they were made of sand. Whole neighborhoods vanished in an instant. In a panic, I threw myself into a nearby barrel and held the lid on with all my strength. I felt myself flung into the air, only to crash down again onto the sea. I was tossed and turned for what seemed like an eternity until the wave's anger finally subsided. It has been several days, and a small flotilla of survivors has formed, just a handful of battered ships and ramshackle rafts. We do not know how far out into the western sea we have drifted, or if there's even an Atlantis to return to. We have resolved to take our chances with the sea beasts that are said to patrol the western edge of the great ocean, rather than attempt to return to the site of our cursed home. Perhaps we will find new lands to the west, where our proud race might rebuild our great temples and win back the favor of the gods. Surely the glory and achievements of Atlantis will never be forever erased from the histories of men. And that's exactly, it's, it is not erased. <laughs> it's so dang prevalent. What a, well, what a great story. Well done, Peter. That was Thanks. really great. Good job. <clears throat> so Atlantis, uh, <laughs> This this is a really fun subject, and and I guess to start, yes, you know, um, Plato wrote his dialogues um, around 360 BCE. Plato was a philosopher, a Greek philosopher in ancient Athens. He he himself, classical Athenian, and so there's this funny like bias that's there that we'll talk about a little bit more. But uh, I I want to point out, um, you know, with mystery. Cammy and I started the show. We love we love uh, myths and history, and we both we both have a little bit of a, like a we took a couple college classes. We've got a little bit of an educational background in that, but we're not experts. You know, we're not like hardcore history people. But 
we really love talking about this stuff. And I didn't really know, I mean, I know of Plato, Socrates and all that, um, just about as much as the next person, really. I know I'm aware of them. And so, look, but I, I knew that about these dialogues and the, the philosophical story, the literary prose that they were saying. And there was this great uh, thing from one of my sources um, that, that talked about how Plato, he, he wrote in this style where, you know, pe people are having a conversation uh, almost like a play or something like that, because he was apparently worried that people would rely too much on writing and would not discuss things. And that, that makes me laugh because I've definitely heard in the last, I don't know, five or 10 years, people talk about the reliance on the internet and stuff like that. Like, oh, we're just, you know, you don't, you won't need to learn anything if you can just find it out. And I, I get that's a pest. That's a half empty kind of way of looking at it. I'm more, I try to be more positive and more half full. And, and it, that's why we're doing this show. That's literally like why we're doing this show. Not because we're afraid you're not going to memorize Plato's dialogues, but because we just want to talk about stuff to, to figure it out. And we've learned a lot. And so, and that's, this is what Atlantis was for me in a, in a good way in our, in my looking into it. And of course our discussion now. So that's, that's where we've set the time period. Okay. And we've talked about it in a lot of other shows, uh, especially like Troy and stuff like that. Now think about this. So 360 BCE. So this is, you know, quite a long time ago. This is ancient. This is the classical period of Athens and Atlantis to them, to Plato. It, it's, it's like Troy. It, it was a myth, you know, Hercules, all these things were so old and rooted in their cultures. They've been around for so long. And so, it, it's it's just ingrained in their their history and so we don't know we don't you know there's a lot of like uh conspiracy theories in that way but the crazy thing about atlantis is just how prevalent it is because of the way it was used it was sort of used as a literary device by plato and then and then there was this sort of like well why did you mention it you know kind of thing and like troy we don't know if if king priam was there for the downfall of Troy in the same way that Homer tells us in the Odyssey. But there, there is like archeological evidence in the location of where Troy was, is today. Um, and it's apparent people have lived there, but with, with Atlantis, there, there's no evidence of, of an Island or, or a city being where it was supposed to be. And there's a few kind of guesses as to what this, this was. And the biggest reason is, is the Santorini uh, eruption, the, the, or the Minoan eruption, and that was a, a huge eruption that happened between 1642 and 1540 BCE. So that was over a thousand years before Plato was around. Mm -hmm. So, and, and there's just, there's archeological evidence out of that. And, and, but it was in that area and it was pretty devastating and there, and there's, there's evidence of it and there's some writing on it too. And so, I just want to, if I can interrupt yeah. real quick, I just want to, if you have a chance, listener, uh, look at a satellite image of Santorini and it's basically like all the beautiful photos of Greece that show like the, the white walls and the blue seas. Those, most of those are taken in Santorini. But if you, if you look at a satellite view of that, of that Island, it's, it's like a big crescent around a gigantic crater where this, where this event occurred. Uh, and it wiped out a, a major Minoan civilization. So Right. And, and there's some really cool things though. So we, our first episode was about the Minotaur of Crete and, and it's a it, fantastic episode. Can't recommend it enough. Um, and, and we, we talked about that too, the Minoan civilization. Again, there's, there, there's been colonies in, in that area for a timeless, you know, it's forever. And 
uh, one thing that's really cool about their uh, religion and culture is their uh, reverence for bulls in general, and that's kind of where the Minotaur comes from. And and there, there's tons of pottery and and other art that feature bulls and stuff like that. And reading about Atlantis, that was a big feature of Atlantis as well. And and some of my sources like Ancient EU, Theoi, and Wikipedia, they they mention how uh, King Minos was was very lawful. He he was a very I mean he was wasn't very benevolent. He's sometimes an antagonist. We talk about this in um, an episode. Rec- I think it's coming up soon. Daedalus and Icarus. Um, we'll talk about that soon if we haven't already. Um, and and so there's an idea that maybe Plato was kind of like Atlantis is sort of it, it either is kind of a representation of Crete and the Minoans, or it's sort of like an antithesis to them, but it's it's very much so based off of them. But it's really cool. I mean, the the idea. So several writers wrote. Um, of course, Plato was sort of the first in the fourth uh, century BCE. But uh, Diodorus Siculus in the Library of History um, wrote in 1st century BC, and then Plutarch and Aelian, I've, I've talked about him before, and I always mess that name up, those are in the 1st through the 3rd centuries, um, and even uh, Pliny the Elder, um, that old guy, he wrote about it in the 1st century in the Latin Encyclopedia. So it comes up, and, and in those writings even, it, it's kind of used as like a literary device or an allegory of some kind, mostly. It, it's 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 sort of like it's weird because Troy again, like Troy had people. You can see the people. Um, even like the evidence of the Santorini uh, uh, eruption, there there were still settlements there, and and people had this memory of the eruption, and there was clearly evidence of it. And so it's it's easy to understand why they would believe, why would they believe in the eruption, why they would believe in the Minoans and Troy, because the it's there it's still there for them today in their present hmm. but atlantis wasn't and so that's the crazy thing it, it, it's this ancient bit and and also distinctively it was it was distinctively futuristic you know i i mean i just i think it is a circle jerk of athens that's what i think it is really <laughs> okay because <laughs> we like, took I, them I, down <laughs> I, yeah I, I never even knew that 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 was the thing i i i knew atlantis sunk that's about it, you know? And then, of course, like, in modern, like, my kids' cartoons depictions of the 90s, it was, like, I mean, they, they had, like, they were, like, in the future. In, in you know, they, they always had advanced technology. And, like, well, advanced technology in classical Athens is, like, a, a sharp spear, you know? Like, a really sharp <laughs> spear. That's, that's, like, that's, like, whoa, it's, like, an iPhone 12. Um, and so, but they were, they, they were advanced per, like, classical. Now, I mean, if you're advanced in 15... 100 BCE if you if you have stuff from the third century BC that's freaking amazing you know that is really like advanced so, well they're 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 almost referred to as like a magical race like they yeah. actually were like gifted yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that I kind of refer to this in my story like you know a lot of people have theorized like oh maybe they maybe the survivors of Atlantis founded some of these other civilizations in like South America and etc cetera, etc cetera. like like you know, not not allowing those cultures the agency to do that on their own. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's a lot there. I, that's I'm getting to that soon too. Oh, there, cool. There was like <laughs> of it. Um, one funny thing I actually wrote a note, and I, that just reminded me. I think so. Other than it being an Athenian um, like praise party, um, how, poor Poseidon. He he just makes a con our, our city. <laughs> it's it's going really well, mm-hmm. really really like really really well like. Like everyone around Olympus, 
they're going. They're doing their thing. It's 1500. They're still eating their like fingernails. And then put these Atlanteans and with the ocean and it's going great. And all of a sudden it goes sour and Zeus has to destroy it. Like, oh, Poseidon, I'm sorry, bro. Like they're they're kind of dicks. Sorry. <laughs> gotta literally commit genocide. I, I got to bro. I can't help it. Um, I, I just think that's a little little suspective. So mm. anyway, Athenian praise and Zeus can't handle his bro actually succeeding. I think that's what's <laughs> really going on here. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> it's really cool how how timeless writing and literary kind of devices are regarding Atlantis. Uh, ancient writers kept bringing it up, but then of course modern. I mean, think about how much we talk about it today. And I don't know about you guys, but I I have always had this sort of connection between Atlantis and the concept of utopia and even dystopia. It's it's always kind of been in my head that Atlantis was sort of obviously like the perfect city, but then it definitely wasn't after it was completely destroyed. And that was certainly sort of what happened in the future, uh, starting with Hobbes and, and the idea of utopia. Atlantis was sort of kind of brought up about that. Um, what's really cool too is I, I found i love talking about these these new words i've talked about um euhemerism sort of like making myth like uh, 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 uh making myth out of true history mm -hmm. and, and that, that certainly could be the case San, could have been a great civilization where santorini the 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 what, what wasn't submerged uh santorini happens and then people talk about you know over time it just becomes like it was atlantis um ver similitude is another great word and it's it's the life likeness or believability of a work of fiction so like if you're watching a movie and then it just doesn't make sense like there it's the civil war movie and this dude pops out a palm pilot and he's writing in his calendar that's not believable they didn't have palm pilots then abraham lincoln couldn't do that so that's that's a that's a judgment. Do we of, have palm pilots now? That's a really great reference. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, they, they, it they would just—it would be just as odd if someone pulled out a palm they, pilot. They had, blackberry, <laughs> they had blackberries back then. Right. Yeah. That's, that's that's verisimilitude. So that's drop that word at your next water cooler um, meeting with a mask on. So that's the yeah, and that was. Um, so there, like Plato and other writers, like but Plato especially, he had to get with with the story of Salone and the Egyptians and the stories. He was giving it verisimilitude. He was giving like, but it's it's interesting because that sort of means like believability of a work of fiction. So it's like, was it fiction? Like, was he like, oh, it's, it's not really real, but I'm like, that's what it would be if it was real. So it, that's not implicitly said. There wasn't a Greek word for uh. Um, so it, it's really crazy, but. In the in the new age, in the, when the new world, when the new world is discovered uh, by Spain, you know, super Catholic, uh, inspired by the Greeks, etc. Hmm. There's this resurgence in the Indian. Now it's it's the Atlantic Ocean. Go figure, Atlantic, Atlantis, At Atlas, all that stuff. Um, the Atlas Mountains in North Africa. That was the ocean nearby. That's etymology 101 on. Uh, it and Atlantis itself is um, literally means daughter of Atlas, uh, and so it, it sort of it, it all makes sense there. Can I cut and, in real quick? Of course, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, according to Plato, the original location of Atlantis was like through the Strait of Gibraltar, what we call today, but they called it the Pillars of Heracles, basically the entrance to yeah. the Mediterranean Sea. 
Yes. Um, which, you know, where all these great cultures grew up. Yeah. So like, it was almost like at a, like, and they describe it as like commanding that spot, limiting travel out of the Mediterranean, right. even, even after it's sinking. Um, it was the edge so of the I, world. Yeah, it was, it was the edge of the ancient world. I always love it. I, I'll, I'll see if I can find a link to it. I've looked at um, an ancient map um, of that was created, I think, by a Persian cartographer, and it's it's the ancient world, and it's so crazy accurate because you, you know you could always see the boot of Italy. That's how you mm -hmm. always know where you are, and mm -hmm. and it's basically I'm pointing, I'm making gestures. Go to YouTube.com and mystery to see my wonderful figure. Um, but you can, you, it's 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 essentially like a globe as you would see it spread out but it's it's just the mediterranean it's like if that was the world where we you know like the mediterranean is all the way to the west and then like persia and that part of asia is all the way to the east mm -hmm. that's the world so yes mm -hmm. it would be it would be on the far west and it would be where the world sort of cuts and i mean if, if you kept going you'd find the americas if you happen to take your galley out that far without getting destroyed so so yes that's exactly it there's this there's this crazy idea then then yeah that's there was a resurgence in these ideas um and i think uh, yeah francisco lopez de gamora was one of the uh, he was a um i think a, a man of the church who yes yeah a famous man of the church uh historian um maybe not man of the church i guess they all were back then but he was a historian in who worked in Seville, a Spanish historian from the 16th, early 16th century, who kind of wrote on that as well. And that that was this idea, of like oh, that's where the Atlantans went. That's or they either that's where they went, that's where it is, that's where they were. Um, mm -hmm. I, it, and especially because you go to Mesoamerica, and there are advanced old societies there. I mean, the the the, the architecture is insane. The pyramids, the Chichen Itza. Mm -hmm. it, it's not. It's not. It's it's incredibly old and well detailed. So of course you're gonna think that, and yeah, it's just kind of wild. And then in 1882, this is sort of my last bit essentially, uh, coming into the, the modern age. Ignatius Donnelly of 1882 made uh, the publication Atlantis, the anti antediluvian world. That's this book, and he sort of this is from Wikipedia. It, it basically stimulated the modern interest in Atlantis as we know it. Um, and it was, it was very inspired by the, the early works on Mayanism specifically. And hmm. so he, he sort of drew these parallels between the, the old world and new world. So like the ancient Greeks and then uh, the, which was the old world to them. And then the, the literal new world, which was still pretty new in 1882, especially to some British dude. Uh, and so he, he tried to believe that. And uh, he, thinks um, it being where the garden of eden's from um the great flood destroying atlantis is that's his biblical explanation so you know bringing in the christianity into it obviously plato wouldn't have been christian a couple uh, although hellenistic jews actually did talk about um atlantis too i have a little bit on that um yeah the, the hellenistic jewish philosopher philo um wrote about the destruction of atlantis in his on the eternity of the world um in a longer passage so um yeah, and, and even early Christians sort of wrote about it as well. Um, but it's it's kind of hard to tell if they sort of they believed it or, or they were tough. Uh, they had trouble believing in it due to the pagan origins and things like that. Especially in this time, you know, you, you kind of dropped the old world. Um, One thing on that, I did not even consider the parallels between the two of these, but the Garden of Eden and Atlantis. Yeah, until what hmm. you were just saying. 
like yeah. how they it was kind of this virtuous place at first and then all of a sudden the rulers are like you know consumed with avarice yeah, yeah that, that's that's extremely great yeah that's a really good point um so yeah ignatius donnelly he he's really credited with being sort of the person who brought it into a modern idea i mean say what you will about like him connecting it to mayanism but it kind of gave us it, it revived the discussion and it, and it was more i mean there was when during the age of discovery um it it kind of went a little crazy i mean it's such a you know the the mesoamerican history is is really deep and wild and mm. the church's involvement in that and the, the their assertion on what can and can be said about the peoples and the places of the new world was was right. wild and, and i've i even i took a great colonial latin american class and we didn't talk about atlantis i mean that's that's not you know you, it's not the angle you would go for in that sort of thing that history but it's 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 wild that a bunch of people back in Europe were like, we found Atlantis, yeah, and yeah. Let's go, it let's is. go mess it up. Um, <laughs> and or, so, or or this this implication that like the indigenous people couldn't have done this on their own, like they have to have European right, some, influence, you know, or 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 classical Greek influence to, yeah, to have yeah, this absolutely. civilization. Absolutely, yeah. So um, that's I think that's let's essentially what i've got i'll mention too we one of the lat recent um podcast we did a few weeks ago months ago geez uh, on we did a volcano myth one mm -hmm. and and that's actually where i i had you know with my connections of atlantis never connected it to volcanoes and the santorini mm -hmm. explosion but it is it is super uh, tied to that um the the theogony poem Plato, Santorini eruption. I mean, it happening in that time period. It's, it's, it is, it's that connection has been there for quite some time um, to, to the classical minds and then and into today. I mean, it, it does kind of present a scientific explanation, but you, I, I will just kind of toot my own horn though. I, I nothing ever really mentioned uh, the euhemeristic approach. And this is like textbook euhemerism. You know, you have you have a civilization there. Maybe it's called Atlantis or Atlanticos or whatever, you know, the Greek word or Proto-Indo-European word would have been. And big explosion, it, it just uh, annihilates these people. But and, and that word spreads through trade, through the Mediterranean. You know, word can kind of spread and the stories kind of go. And that story evolves into, oh, yeah, like they freaking had blackberries and palm pilots and they were running around and it was great fusion <laughs> <laughs> like, no. ever happens and they're high gone. speed rail yeah we knew that <laughs> I mean, get better after the palm pilot was made can we have like a no i'm just kidding um so yeah it, it's this really cool thing and you know but it plato he he's essentially the primary source of it all um, people say like he invented Atlantis. That's just not it. He, he, he didn't invent anything. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> just one day was like, let's give Plato some credit. He just one day was like, I'm going to write this all down. No one's writing this crap down. And then, he, and then he said stuff like you, you guys relied too much on writing stuff down. I'm going to write this down. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, the, yeah, really great stuff here. Um, I will mention too, because I actually had a little etymology section that I scrolled over. Uh, the term Atlanteans was also applied to Greeks, uh, applied by the Greeks to the Phoenician colonies along the Barbary coast of North Africa, again, near the Atlas Mountains. 
Um, so it, it makes sense. And Diodorus Siculus, who I mentioned uh, in the I think first century uh, AD, talked about um, how they have a Titan mythology there, and then them having wars with Libyan Amazonas. Uh, and so Platon may have uh, the same nation in mind, for he names the second Atlantean king the real kind of one mm-hmm. uh, in the Phoenician colony near the Straits of Gibraltar. So, right, it, yeah, if if Plato was making it up himself, an original Plato story. Uh, concept then that's he might have been just like nabbing uh this this name for these people so and again it just kind of further says they're in this area maybe there was people there for quite a while that were called atlanteans and they did go poof and this is the the atlantis was a city it was humoristic in the sense that it evolved into the myth of being advanced and all that stuff and then plato stealing it without crediting uh in his in his stories so his dialogues but a very a, a wild subject i did not i i knew that there was something there but i guess just like my 90s cartoons had satisfied my ideas of what atlantis is and was and aquaman doing aqua things and his speedo um but it, it's it's very cool how it how deep it goes but then the discussion and the evolution of it today and what these dudes in the 1700s were thinking i mean can you imagine like you discover the new continent, and the first thing you think is like Atlantis. I mean, and that—that's the direction. That's what he mm-hmm. said. We, we uh, went west, right? We did it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, abs- I just loved it. I really enjoyed looking into this subject. So, um, well, yeah, that's it. I'm spent. That's all my stuff. Hey, great, great research, Brian. Really, I mean, good stuff. Kudos really to you. tied I, it together. Yeah, I know. And you're, you you guys had a great story that kind of brought it in. I, again, I never really knew like Atlantis was destroyed. I, it was lost. You know, the lost city of Atlantis. You don't just, mm. if, I, if I lose my keys, I didn't pulverize my coffee grinder and then look at my girlfriend and go, they're lost. <laughs> you know, I don't do that. Um, so it was always the lost city of Atlantis, not not the Zeus like orbital bombardment city of Atlantis. Um so it, it was it was wild to see that. And Cammy and I, we just talked about Arachne and damn Minerva slash Athena like meddling in on like everybody's <laughs> business, punishing everybody. And that was the she she we talked about two people she messed with, lives she messed with. Zeus literally just decimates this whole place. It's just wild. So again, uh in, in conclusion, poor Poseidon, Athenians like to toot their own horns. <laughs> That's it. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. <laughs> Well, uh, Peter and Cami, you guys did a great job as always. Thanks so much for your stories on Thank you. this wonderful classic city. Uh, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this story. Um, please let us know what you think. If I miss something, if we miss something, if we got something wrong, let us know. We'll always go back out there and, and talk about it. Please check out our events coming up again on Thursday, the 3rd of December, 2020. Cammy and I will be on the Indie Pods at 8.30 EST. And then you can join me and Peter uh, going ho-ho-ho on Sunday, December 6th at 9 p.m. A.M. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess really, that late. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, it's bedtime right now. <laughs> so, oh, my camera. <laughs> I love it. Look at that face. That's great. Just zoom in. Please go to youtube.com slash mystery <laughs> to take a look at this weird happenstance. I'm so <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> uh, I think that's about it, though, guys. Did I miss anything? 
I think you're good. Awesome. Well, everyone, we will see you next time. Oh. oh. Ha, ha, ha.